Every year, Yale University admits 6% of the applicants for undergraduate studies. And all those who apply to Yale University, there's one day a year that you can log on and find out whether or not you were accepted. And of course, that 6% that were accepted, when they log on, they find out there's lots of joy and excitement. There's lots of screaming and happiness and hugging and lots of social media posts and just parties. And it's an exciting time for that 6%. And they enjoy the moment. They bask in that because most likely they're going to be set for life. If they can, in fact, graduate from Yale, that's going to open many doors for them for the rest of their lives. And so, obviously, they're excited But if you fast forward a few months from getting accepted into Yale to actually going to Yale and taking classes, most of those students have moved on from being excited and happy to anxious, worried, and miserable because it's so incredibly hard. It's like a pressure cooker, and it's hard to maintain just existing in that environment. In fact, across all of college in America, beyond just the Ivy League, but for all colleges, over 50% of college students will say in the past week that they have felt completely overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed, and don't feel any of that happiness that they first experienced when they were accepted to whichever schools they were accepted to. In fact, since 2009, depression in 20-year-olds in our nation has doubled Depression in 20-year-olds in our nation has doubled since 2009. Now, you don't have to be a Yale student. You don't have to be a college student to understand how fleeting, how hard it is to maintain happiness. Happiness, joy, can be very hard to maintain. We might achieve it for a short time, but then it's gone and here we are. Maybe we have striven to get something that we thought would make our dreams come true and we achieve that and we find out that it doesn't make us as happy as we thought we were. Or, like some of these Yale students, it makes life worse. They're even more stressed than they were before they went to school. So as we think about a happy new year, a happy 2022, we want it hopefully to be better than 2020, better than 2021. We had some good things in those couple of years, but it's been a hard year for our world, for our nation, for our church family, right, with the pandemic. And so we want a happy new year, right? We want not just a new year, we want a whole happy year. So in your life right now, in your life right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy would you say you were? Just keep in the back of your mind, how happy are you when you walked in those doors or you clicked on your computer today? How happy are you? And we're going to talk about that in, in this series to think about, does God want us to be happy? What does it look like to be happy from a Christian perspective, a follower of Christ? How happy are you? Now, sticking with Yale, uh, one of the professors there really has been struggling with this whole concept of how happy the students are when they get accepted and how miserable they are once they start going to class. And so she began to study this, and she uh, began to teach a class at Yale that became the the most popular class in the 300-year history of Yale University. And she taught a class about how to be happy using science to help figure out what makes humans happy. And people got wind of this in the first semester that this course was offered, 1,200 students signed up for it. 
Think about that. You know, an average class, maybe 10, 15, 20 students, right? Some bigger schools, you might have 100 or so. 1,200 people, that's almost one out of four students at Yale University, signed up for this class because they wanted to know how to be happy. This class has been so amazingly popular that Yale has made it possible for us to, to take that class for free online. And since they put it online, over 3.7 million people have taken the class. 3.7 million people have taken the class because so many people want to be happy but apparently are not. So this is the class. This is the Dr. Lori Santos. Uh, she does a podcast called The Happiness Lab where I found out about her. It's a really good listen. Uh, and then it's The Science of Well-Being. And so if you want to take a picture of that or come back to it later, Check it out, right? This is a free class from Yale, a cool bunch of podcasts that you can listen to. And so it got me to thinking, if there's so much interest from an Ivy League university from around the world in being happy, we're thinking about a happy new year coming off of two stinky years, right? What does it look like to be happy, not only from a scientific standpoint, but from a theological standpoint, right? That's kind of what my job is, to think through God, you know, what does God want for us to think through biblical things? And so that's why we have this series. We're going we're gonna to look at what science says will make us happy. We're going to look at what the Bible says will make us happy. And what's interesting is there's a lot more overlap than you would imagine. Right? So again, in your life right now, how happy are you? Well, let's start with some theology. Let's start with the Bible, and we're going to go into the Old Testament and read something about happiness that I think is foundational for us as we begin this, this series together. So we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament, and there's, there's several books in the Old Testament that are called wisdom writings. If you want to get the wisdom of God, you can go read the Proverbs, you can read Psalms, and you can go read in Ecclesiastes. So let's do that today, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. So in wisdom literature in the Bible, it says that happiness is a part of our life, but it's not all of our life, right? We're going to have sadness in our life. We're going to have anger in our life. We're going to have anxiety in our life. We're going to have uncertainty in our lives. And so if we're not experiencing happiness all of the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us, right? I think sometimes we, we have this myth that, it, that we have to be happy all of the time. But God says that's not how it is, right? Happiness is part of our story, but it's not all of our story. Sometimes we need to cry. Sometimes we need to laugh. Sometimes we need to sing. Sometimes we need to see stuff that's not right in the world and get mad about it and be angry to say, we've got to fix that. So if you're not feeling happy all of the time, there's nothing wrong with you, right? You don't have to be happy all of the time. So we're going to examine what it looks like in those moments of happiness how can we be happy and what does that look like? But don't feel the pressure that every minute of every day you're going to feel joy and flowers are going to be blooming everywhere and you're going to hear all this music in your head, right? You're not going to be happy all the time and that's okay, right? But 
God does want us to be happy. God wants us to experience joy, right? We, one of our favorite verses here at, at South Park Church is this from John's Gospel. These are the words of Jesus. He says, I have come that they, you, may have life and have it to the full, right? Jesus came to give us life to the full. We talk a lot about that here, about living a life that is full in Jesus. And I believe that part of living a full life is encountering the joy of God, encountering the joy of people, encountering the joy of the creation that God has made. And so, yes, we're not going to be happy all the time, but we should experience happiness and joy in our lives because that's part of living a full life in God. So this is some of the groundwork for a theological or biblical understanding of happiness. God wants us to be happy. We won't be happy all the time, but happiness is important. It's an important part of living a life that is full in God. So maybe a question is, well, what does it mean to be happy? Is there a scientific definition for being happy? Because it seems like it's more of a subjective thing. Things that, that make you happy might make not make me happy, right? And things that make me happy might not make you happy, right? We're all wired differently. So how do we scientifically think about happiness? Well, some of what Dr. Santos shares in one of her podcasts and in her class are two things that scientists kind of say help us be happy. And this is what they are, right? One is to be happy, we experience positive emotions, right? We feel joy. We feel enthusiasm, right? We, we feel good, right? There's emotions that help us feel happy. So that's a part of it. And the other part of it is that we're satisfied with the way our life is progressing toward goals, that life is good, that we have a purpose in our life, that when we get up, there's something God wants us to do in the world, and when we pursue that, it brings us happiness, right? And so another way of, of saying this, I think, is this, is that to be happy, we're, we're happy in our life, and, and we're happy with our life, right? So we're happy in our life. We feel these emotions that are good, and we're happy with the direction our life is going. Now, it's not going to be perfect, is it? Right? There's always going to be bumps in the road. But in general, we're, we're, to be happy, we have to be happy in our life, and we have to be happy with our life. And again, we remember that like, maybe if you're like me, there's always something in my life that's going well, and there's always something in my life that's not going well, right? And so I think that's just that's part of life. We can't have everything going well at the same time. But in the midst of that, to be happy, we have to be happy in our lives, and we have to be happy with our lives, with the direction our lives are going, the people that are in our lives, what we're doing with our time, that sort of thing. So as so we go through this series, maybe just think about how happy are you in your life and how happy are you with your life, right? So these are a couple of scientific ways to measure happiness. But still, happiness is subjective. You're gonna, it's all unique to each of us. But there's a scientific way of trying to kind of study that. And so Again, I want you to think about on a scale of 0 to 10, right, with 0 being absolutely not happy and 10 being the happiest you could be, right, completely happy, on a scale of 0 to 10, where are you right now? 0 means you're not happy. 10 means the world is awesome. You're the most happy you could ever be. Where do you fall on that? Just think about that in your mind right now mentally and just maybe ask yourself, well, if I'm a five, why do I feel like a five? If I'm a seven, why do I feel like a seven? What, what is it in my life that would make me bump up to the next number? Right? What, what is it that makes me a four or a three or a seven or a ten or whatever? Like, Where are you and what are the factors that are, are keeping you there? And then tomorrow, write the number down. And the next day, you write the number down. And as it fluctuates, write down what happened or how you feel. Why is that number moving? This is a place for us to begin to study
our own happiness. Some optimism for you. One of the guys who came out of the first service this morning came by to shake my hand. He said, Pastor Kyle, thank you for that scale, zero to 10. I'm an 11. (laughs) Why are you an 11? He's a University of Kentucky uh, sports fan, and they won a football game and a basketball game in the same day. So there you go. (laughs) Secret of happiness, your team wins twice in one day, and you can be an 11. Uh, But anyway, where are you right now? Right, Zero to 10, where are you on that scale? And as we think about being happy in our lives and being happy with our lives, I think it's an arrow that goes back and forth. Like if we're happy with the direction our life is going, Right, with the people that we're going with, uh, with what we do for a living. Right? If we're happy with the direction, then we're probably going to be happy emotionally. Right? If I'm happy with my life, it's going to help me be happy in my life. I'll feel better about my life if my life's going in the right direction. Right? Science proves the other direction is true. If I'm happy in my life, if I, if I feel good about myself or whatever, I feel these positive emotions, it can help me with my life go the right direction. They studied some 30-year-olds, and they went back and asked them some questions about their life, and they found out that a group of 30-year-olds, the ones who were happy at age 13, were making 10% more money salary when they were 30 than those who were not happy at age 13. So feeling good about yourself led to something better in the long run. That's very interesting. They studied a group of, of people who were in their 90s, and they went back and looked at them in their 20s, and they found out that the, the people who were in their 20s were four times as likely to live to the age of 90 as someone who was not happy at the age of 20. Isn't that amazing? So if you just feel good, if you feel happy at the age of 20, you have four times as much opportunity or chance to live to your 90s than if you're not overall happy in your life. They said that someone who is happy is exposed to a virus, the same virus that someone who is unhappy is exposed to. The one who is happy is less likely to get the cold than the person who is unhappy, right? It just, it breaks down our system, right? It's a systemic thing, right? So very interesting. Happy in our lives, happy with our lives. How happy are you in your life? How happy are you with your life? So one of the next questions is, well, how do we, be, how do we become happy? Is it, is it a biological thing? Is it a nature thing? Are some people born happier than other people? Um, is it a nurture thing? Is it circumstances? Do our circumstances determine our happiness? Right, and you know, the, the easy and probably best answer is a little bit of both, right? There there are genetic factors in being happy, right? Biological factors in being happy. For some of us, we're gonna have to work harder to be happy than others. Especially some of us who might have a physical disorder that causes us anxiety. And we had did a, a, a study on anxiety, a series on anxiety last year that was one of the most popular series that we did uh, from a messaging standpoint. And so if you wrestle with anxiety or anxiety disorders, I'd love to invite you to go back and check that out. It's on our website. It's just called Anxiety. It's a series of messages. And so I'd like to invite you to do that. And so some of us, it's harder biologically to be happy, but here's the good news, is there's no biological barrier that will keep us from being happy. Even if it's harder for us to be happy, we can still be happy. So our biology will not prevent us from being happy. For some of us, it just comes harder, right? But the good news is there's not a barrier, so all of us can experience happiness. Now, when it comes to circumstances, a lot of us probably think, yeah, if my circumstances improve, then odds are I'm going to be happier. And that, that happens. That absolutely happens. But less often than you think. In fact, our circumstances do not necessarily dictate our happiness. Now, you can win the lottery and not be happy. That's been scientifically proven. You can win the Nobel Peace Prize 
and your life doesn't become any happier. That's also been proven. You can get into Yale University and your life doesn't necessarily become happier, right? That's the reason for this whole study, right? And so our circumstances don't necessarily improve our happiness. Now, there's some exceptions to that, right? If we're living in poverty or we're being abused in our lives, if we get out of the abusive situation, if we get out of poverty, then our circumstances will change and we will be much happier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are good things that happen circumstantially that do make us happier. But here's the challenge. I think so many of us look forward to a point in the future where we're going to be happy. I will be happy when. I'll be happy when I get a girlfriend. I'll be happy when I graduate. I'll be happy when I get a promotion. I'll be happy when I get the house that I'm going to move into. I'll be happy when I get married, right? We look forward to being happy, and we say, I'll be happy when my circumstances change. And when those things happen, we do encounter usually a bump in our happiness, but usually it's a bump, and then we're back to where we were. Because here's the trick. If we can't be happy now, then we're, odds are we're not going to be happy then. We have to figure out how to be happy in the moment, in the circumstances. Now, again, that doesn't include abusive situations or poverty situations. But for most of all of us living average, ordinary lives, the circumstances that change, your odds are not going to increase your happiness by much. We have to learn how to live and be happy in the moment. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said this. He said, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. Right? That's powerful stuff. We're going to look at that scripture later on in this series, but could you say that in your life right now? I have learned to be content in all circumstances. Now, again, not in abusive situations, things like that, right? but that is powerful stuff when we think about circumstance and we think about uh, nature versus nurture kind of stuff. Right? So, I want to shift from Yale now to Harvard. We're going to keep in the Ivy League. And Harvard has been conducting the, this biggest study on human behavior in the history of the world, the Harvard Study of Adult Development. You can Google this. You can look it up. It's fascinating. But in 1938, uh, some folks at Harvard decided to study a group of 268 sophomores at Harvard. Uh, now, they chose men only, which is not fair. Uh, times are different, but they chose 268 sophomores at Harvard College, Harvard University, and they picked the best and the brightest and the most athletic and the most successful, and they studied them for their entire lives. But they also didn't want to just take the privileged upper group of the Harvard folks. Harvard's near Boston, and so they, they went into Boston, and they took 456 young men from the worst, poorest, most violent neighborhoods around, and they studied them, their whole life, like their, their, what they did physically, what they ate, what their habits were, where they went to school, what they did, right? how happy they were. And they've studied them for their entire lives. Most of them are now dead or in their late 90s. Uh, but they didn't just stop with them. They studied their children, men and women, which is good. We have the sample of the women thrown in there. And so they've studied them their whole lives. And this is supposed to be an anonymous thing of who it was, but one of the names leaked out, John F. Kennedy, right? President John F. Kennedy was one of the ones in this study. And so interesting what they found out, right? Some of the stuff is common sense stuff, like they discovered that smoking is bad for you, 
right? The, the people who smoked were sicker. They died sooner, no matter whether they were Harvard students or coming out of uh, violent neighbor or poor neighborhoods, right? Smoking's bad for you. Alcoholism ruins your life. You'll lose your job. You'll lose your family. You'll lose your health, things like that. But then they ask them, right, what, what are you most happy about in your life? And some of the answers probably are a little surprising. One of the things that didn't show up was they didn't really talk about what they did for a living. No one said, I wish I had more hours at work. I wish I'd logged in more hours at work. No one said, I wish I'd had more promotions in my life. Right? Now, I'm sure that, that some of them were happy about what they did, those who were doctors who helped heal people or those who were teachers who helped people learn. I'm sure that was a satisfying thing, right? Happy with our lives. But it didn't really come up. Right? The other thing was money, right? Wealth did not make any of these folks happy. What they found out was that once you have enough money to cover your basic necessities, food, clothing, and shelter, medical care, anything above that will not increase your happiness. That's counterintuitive, everything you and I think, but the Harvard study of all these people has proven that, right? Because the more money you have, what do you want? The more, right? How much is enough money? A little bit more, right? So, Wealth beyond taking care of our physical needs does not make this group of people any happier. You know what they said made them happy? They said raising a family, having children, being in love with my spouse, having a best friend. Right? The, one of the, the top indicators, predictors of being happy in your life is having good personal relationships with people. Good personal relationships with people. That, that is a key core thing that this Harvard study has proved, right? So does that sound familiar to those of us who follow Jesus? Or do you remember when, when somebody asked Jesus, they said, what, what is the top things that we're supposed to do, right? We've got 600 and some commands. Like, what's the most important? This is what Jesus said. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and all the prophets, all of what we do, hang on these two commandments. And so the Harvard study and Jesus agree the most important thing in life, especially when it comes to being happy, is relationships. We say relationships with God. Harvard and Jesus both say relationships with each other. Right? Relationships. How are we investing in our relationships? Now, obviously, the relationships that we're in are not always going to be happy. The people that we love will drive us crazy. I drive my wife and kids crazy all the time, but they still love me, and I hope I make them happy, right? But the good news here is we can focus on the right things and be happier. The relationships is just one example of that. Through this series, we're going to look at other things as well. But here's the point. Here's the so what. what. What's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. What we think will make us happy often does not. What we think will make us happy often does not. Getting the house, getting the car, getting the promotion, getting the money, getting the fame, getting the, oh, the credit, the pats on the back, right? What we think will make us happy often does not. Now, those things are important, and they can make us somewhat happy, but usually it's something else. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the hard part is usually we spend so much time and energy pursuing happiness in the wrong places. 
that we end up wasting our time, right? Remember the song, looking for love in all the wrong places? Looking for love in all the wrong places? That's what this study is, is teaching us. The Bible's teaching us that, but then this is some more good news, right? If we go, God can turn our thinking around. God can turn our thinking around. Right? So the science says you can be happy if you choose to be happy by focusing on the right things, right? And the, and the good news is you don't have to overhaul your circumstances. You don't have to change your entire life. Remember, happiness is, is not necessarily with your circumstances. It's part of it. Right? So we don't have to absolutely blow up our lives and start over. We can start where we are, but it's going to take some work. We're going to have to focus in the right direction. Right? It's kind of like exercise. We know if we exercise that we will be healthy, but knowing and doing are two different things. Right? We can know that we have to focus on the right things to be happy, but doing that is often harder because our, our brains are wired to pursue usually the wrong things. So Dr. Santos says that what she calls rewirement, right? You've got to rewire our brains so that we pursue habits that increase our well-being. And usually these habits are not what we usually would think would bring us happiness, right? So we have to pursue habits that increase our well-being. For example, relationships with God and relationships with people. How are you cultivating relationships with God and relationships with people? We're going to see another one of these things that you pursue is gratitude or kindness. These are things that we can do that become habits that we have to work at that, that we can pursue and make us happy. Now, rewiring scientifically, I think it's a word she made up, but anyway, it's a scientist, right, kind of aligns with what we say studying the Bible. We use the word repent. You ever heard of the word repent? What repent means is to change your mind or to turn around, right? We're, we're living a life that is not a godly life, we're pursuing the wrong things, and we're called by Jesus to turn around and leave that behind and to pursue a better life, to pursue Jesus, right? And so in our lives, a lot of times we're pursuing things that we think will make us happy, but they're not going to make us happy, and we're pouring all this time and energy into it. And so Dr. Santos says, rewire. The Bible says, repent, right? It's not a shaming thing. It's just, hey, we need to turn around. We need to go a different direction. We might not be happy because we might be pursuing the wrong things. So I think there's some good stuff here. So a couple of things I invite you to think about doing this week to maybe help us take a step to being happy, right? The first one is an action step is track your happiness. Remember the scale zero, not happy at all, 10, completely happy. Where are you right now? Right? Is that a five, six, seven, eight, an 11 like the guy downstairs, right? Where are you right now? And every day for this series, right, same time every day, write down your number. And write a little note beside it. If you went up a point, why did you go up a point? Right? If you went down a point, why did you go down a point? Right? If you went down two points, what, what caused you to do that? Right? And keep a log of That's a scientific thing to do. Right? We can keep track of what we're doing. We can pray about that. It's important to find out what we did. Dr. Santos, the, the kids, those 1,200 kids that took her class for the first time and all that have taken it since then, pretty much everyone that takes her class at the end of the class has said that they've moved up one point which on a 10-point scale is huge. It's huge, and it's because they're identifying the right habits that they need to be doing, and they work hard to do that. It's a choice that they do, right? So we can do the same thing as followers of Jesus, and we're going to have some extra help with God in all of this, right? So where are you? Track that and write it down. I've got friends, and we, we talk about this a lot, and, and I've got one friend. If he doesn't get outside in the woods at least once a week, he is miserable. He has to get out in the woods, 
right? I've got another one. That, you know, if he's not spending quality time with his kids or his wife and sitting down and doing something, then, then he's going to be miserable. And we talk about sometimes we, get, we know what it is that we're supposed to be doing, but we get so busy, we neglect it like we neglect eating right or we neglect it like we're exercising. Right? We know what we should be doing, but we don't. Even Dr. Santos, the one who led this study, right, and who teaches this class on how to be happy, she's like, at, at the end of the class, I was so overwhelmed with all of the attention and launching the online website and stuff. She's like, I knew what to do to be happy, but I stopped doing it because I got too busy, right? Even she says it's hard to be happy, but the good news is that we can, right? So where are you on the scale? And track that and make notes to see what it is that moves your, moves your dial, Right, and come back to that. One, one other thing I invite you to think about doing is ask yourself, do I need to repent of the ways I pursue happiness? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? What are you pursuing in life right, to make you happy? And as Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you, right? right what are you pursuing in life? And how's that, how's that working? Did, maybe, you're, maybe you figured it out, and that's great. And keep doing what you're doing, right? Pursue what, what you're supposed to be doing. But but maybe you're like me, sometimes I'm pursuing the wrong things, even when I know what I'm supposed to be pursuing, right? Because I guess get so busy and, and frazzled and stuff, right? And do we need to turn around? Right? Do we need to change direction in what we're pursuing for happiness? I'm excited about this series because I think God wants us to encounter joy in our lives. I think God wants to, us to enjoy happiness. And I think it could be a happy new year in 2022. But, but here's what I really want you to hear. I know that some of you don't believe that. I know that some of you think there's no way I can be happy. You just don't know me, Kyle. You don't know my life. You don't know my circumstances. It's not worked out before. I'm not going to be happy now. It's just not, not going to be true. I'm stuck where I am. And that's where I would say that the Bible and science would say you're mistaken. And be glad that you're mistaken. You can be happy. You can make good choices to be happy. It doesn't mean that your life's going to be all rosy, right? There's still going to be hard times. We're going to still have times where you're going to get sad and cry and angry and frustrated and anxious, but in the midst of all that, like Paul says, we can find something in our circumstances that brings us joy. We're going to find something in our circumstances that brings us happy, and that in all circumstances, we can find something that will make us be content. You're not stuck in a life of unhappiness or a life that doesn't have meaning, because Jesus created you differently. He wired you differently. You can not only have a happy new year, you can have, have a year and a happy life. So I invite you to come back for more of these messages. I invite you to check out the podcast. I invite you to check out the online uh, course. But to keep it as followers of Jesus, keep it in Scripture. There's a time for us to be happy. And Jesus came to give us life to the full. And that includes being happy. And you're not stuck being miserable. You are not stuck being miserable because God has something more for you.